I speak to you this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle lesson today is from Paul and Timothy, and they are writing to Philemon. Uh, before the 8 o'clock service this morning, I realized that I did not know how to pronounce Philemon. And uh, I asked Jim how to pronounce it, and then I asked Corey how to pronounce it, and then I asked my telephone on the Google machine how to pronounce it. And between me, Jim, Corey, and the Google machine, just between the four of us, we came up with five pronunciations. <laughs> So uh, if I use four different ones during this sermon, it's important for y'all to remember we're talking about the same guy. <laughs> Paul today in his epistle is making an appeal to Philemon for forgiveness and for reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. Uh, while Paul was in prison, Paul had led Onesimus to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and Onesimus was a runaway slave who had belonged to Philemon, and Paul and Philemon were friends, brothers in Christ. So Paul has encouraged Onesimus to go back to Philemon to get right with him, and uh, Paul is asking Philemon to uh, forgive his runaway slave, and more importantly, to accept him as a brother in Christ, to bring him back into a relationship as a brother in Christ, no longer as a servant or as a slave. Um, this story uh, is important for a number of reasons, uh, but just two reasons that I want to talk about today. One reason is because as Christians, uh, we should always uh, forgive as we have been forgiven. <clears throat> the second thing is Paul provides a good example of how to deal with conflict as Christians, how to deal with the need for forgiveness and reconciliation. And I want us to look at the steps that Paul uses to bring about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. Uh, these steps are important uh, because they give us a good example of how to bring about reconciliation when relationships are broken in our own lives. But they also illustrate or mirror the way that Christ brings about reconciliation in the world and the way that Christ brings about reconciliation uh, between sinners and himself. So let's look at our lesson from Philemon on our lesson leaflet, if you will. And let's look at the steps that Paul used to attempt to bring about reconciliation. Uh, the first thing that I think it's important to note is that Paul identifies with the people personally. Uh, he calls Philemon his brother and fellow worker, and he calls Onesimus uh, his son. The second thing is that Paul makes this request of Philemon. He doesn't order it. He requests it. He also uh, seeks Philemon's voluntary consent to this. He's not looking for his submission to, his, to rules or to authority, but he's seeking his voluntary consent. Uh, the next thing that Paul does is he appeals to Christian love rather than to power or authority. And finally, uh, Paul agrees to absorb the loss and pay the cost for restoration. He says, if there's any cost associated with this, I will pay it. 
So let's look at these. Number one, Paul identifies with the people personally. He knows them and he loves them. Friends, Christ knows us and loves us personally and specifically. He knows us and he loves us individually. Christ's desire is to be reconciled to us and that desire is rooted in his love for us and in his knowing us, if you will. Our Heavenly Father made us to be in relationship with Him and to be in relationships with each other. And the only way that this works is through forgiveness and reconciliation. That's the only way that the Christian life works. Number two, Paul requested, not ordered Philemon. He says in verse 8, he says, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required... Yet, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. See, although Paul has the authority to tell Philemon what to do, he decides not to use his authority in this situation. Paul wanted Philemon to make the final decision for himself. Friends, Christ has all authority on heaven and earth, but he gives us the freedom to accept his love and his grace. And while certainly the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and moves in our lives and moves in the church, Christ's grace and mercy is not ultimately forced on us by God. There's that little part of us that has a choice to make. See, Paul is seeking Philemon's voluntary consent when it comes to his being reconciled with his former slave. See, friends... For forgiveness and reconciliation to be real, it must happen voluntarily. It must happen by free choice. It can't be forced or compelled. I remember when my brother and I were young boys and we used to get into lots of fights uh, with one another. Uh, when I was in about uh, 10th grade and he was in about eighth grade we stopped getting into fights because I'm a lot smarter than he is and I realized that that was about the point where he could whip me and so we quit getting into fights at that point but before when we were little as brothers do we used to get into fights and my father as good fathers have done for generations would make us shake hands and apologize to each other he made us shake hands and apologize to each other and uh, we would do it uh, because even though Matt could whip me late dad could whip both of us always but we would shake hands but it wasn't real we didn't mean it we were still angry with each other in the moment friends for reconciliation to be real it must be voluntary uh, Paul says in verse 14 but I prefer to do nothing without your consent. Friends, Christ's desire is that we would be reconciled to him and to each other, but we have to choose to accept his forgiveness. We have to choose to receive his love. The next thing that Paul does is he appeals to them as believers on the basis of love. He says, I appeal to you for love's sake. See, it's Paul's love for both of them, his knowing them personally that leads him to push for reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. It happens in the context of his relationship 
with them. And it is their mutual love of Christ that makes forgiveness possible. See, forgiveness is the cornerstone of Christianity. We can't get it right. God knows that we're going to fall short. God knows that we're going to be sideways with each other. But he calls us to a life of forgiveness. I've said some version of that in every wedding homily I've ever given. Uh, that the key is forgiveness. The key is not staying straight with each other because you just can't do it. Anybody who's been married for more than about 15 or 20 minutes knows this. I remember uh, some time ago, uh, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, they were doing a marriage conference and, and, and Dr. Graham and Ruth had been married about 60 years at the time. And they broke off into two groups and Dr. Graham went with the men and Ruth went with the women. And it was all young women, uh, women who had been married less than three or four years. And uh, after she gave her talk, there was a question and answer period and a young bride who uh, asked uh, Ruth Graham said, said uh, Miss Graham, uh, I know that you and Dr. Graham have been married for going on 60 years now, but I just have to ask you, have you ever thought of divorce? Have you ever considered divorce? And uh, Ruth Graham thought about it and she looked at the young woman and she said, no, no, divorce, never. Murder on several occasions. <laughs> Relationships don't work without forgiveness. We can't get it right. We're going to get sideways with the people we love, our friends, our family, our spouses, our children. The only hope we have as Christians, the only hope we have for relationships is in forgiveness and reconciliation. Christ's desire, friends, is to be reconciled to us. Christ wants to forgive us our sins. These are rooted in Christ's overwhelming love for us. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, God in his love for us sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross that we might be reconciled to him. And then there's the last step that Paul offers. Look with me, if you will, at verses 18 and 19 because I think in these verses we also find the crux of the gospel. Paul writes to Philemon, he says, If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Paul offers to make restitution, to pay what is owed himself in order to make forgiveness and reconciliation possible. And friends, isn't this exactly what Jesus does for us on the cross? Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. That's from Romans 6. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death in our place, brothers and sisters, is him charging what we owe, you and I, to his account, as Paul puts it. This is what the word propitiation means. His death pays the price for our sins. We have sinned against God and each other, and we owe a death as a payment for that sin. But friends, Jesus Christ pays that penalty for us. He charges it to his account so that we might receive eternal 
life. And this, friends, is the promises. This is the promise of the gospel. We say the comfortable words every Sunday after the confession of sin and the absolution. We confess our sins seeking God's forgiveness and then the priest pronounces the absolution declaring that we are forgiven in the eyes of God. We are reconciled with Him. This is how we are reconciled to the Father. This is the summary, these comfortable words, if you will, of the good news of the gospel. The good news that Christ came into the world to save sinners. This is what we rally around on Rally Sunday. My wife asked me yesterday, she said, it's Rally Sunday. What are we rallying around? And I said, well, let's just rally around the good news of the gospel. The church has been rallying around the gospel for 2,000 years here at St. John's. We have been rallying around the gospel since 1866. Look with me, if you will, in your bulletin at those comfortable words, because I think they sum up what Paul is talking about with reconciliation. They're on page 9 in your service bulletin. The top of page 9, the priest says them after the absolution every Sunday, but I'd love for uh, us to close uh, this homily by saying those words together at the top of page 9. Please join me as we close. Let's pray these words together. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all who travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the, for the sins of the whole world. Friends, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.